Hello, good morning. Are you going somewhere? Your work, your relatives, your friends, maybe a quick doctor's appointment. Well, why don't you consider taking one of Berlin's beautiful yellow trains? They say German is the language of love. Well, the U1 subway line is Berlin's undisputed love train. Look over here. We can actually have a, a map. It is Sunday, 8.30 in the morning. Um, so we can actually see that uh, nowadays the entire um, railway network of Berlin has expanded quite a bit. It is snowing, about zero degrees. I'm going to close this door for people to not get cold, right? That's a nice thing to do. Uh, but you can see that there's quite a number of new railway lines since. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can see that the U1 is actually one of, now one of the shortest lines. Uh, it's nine kilometers long, so it's, it's, it's relative. It's not very long. I am traveling today with a walking encyclopedia. So my name is Beata. Beata runs a popular Berlin blog. Be Berlin history blog called Kreuzberg. And it is my conviction that Beata and I shall write the U1 today. Yeah, sorry to have to put you through that. No, I love it. Actually, I really love it because I have, as I said, I haven't done it in, I don't know how long, probably something like a couple of years now. What do you mean? Like being on Sunday morning so early, you know, on the U-Bahn. Now, Sunday is a special day on this particular subway line. I think it's always kind of funny. It's what you later see on Twitter, for example, or on Instagram, those photos of people traveling with things like a pony or a sofa, or there was somebody with a scooter on the U-Bahn. That's what you'll find a a, on a Sunday. Yeah, exactly. That's Sunday morning for you. <laughs> the U-1 cuts straight through Berlin, driving from east to west, from Suicide Circus to KDW. We'll start at the more infamous of the two ends, Warschauer Strasse, in Berlin's MDMA headquarters, Friedrichshain. If you plow yourself through the morning commuters, past the buskers and the dreadlocks, if you ignore the drug dealers and the Berghain lovers dressed in black, you'll end up at Warschauer Strasse. The station and especially its surroundings are not winners in a beauty contest, but it's lively, that is for sure. You said something very interesting. They started building this line in Kreuzberg, right? Mm -hmm. uh, is that, it, it, it was that because there's a lot of people there? Was it a very important neighborhood? Why did they start building in Kreuzberg and not, for example, in Mitte? Yeah, the reason was exactly the opposite of what you've just said. It was, first of all, uh, not so densely populated and the I think the most important factor was that um, those were basically much uh, less wealthy people. There were, there were a lot of poor people living here. You can't say it was like slums because it wasn't, obviously. But those were people whose influence was significantly uh, smaller than... That is the east of the line? Uh, compared to, for example, what Schöneberg, which, which was is the west end of the line. This end is the only part of the line that is lying in the former east. Going over the bridge, we actually cross the Berlin Wall and continue our ride westwards towards Schlesisches Tor. Kopuser Tor, but along the way we'll pass some, uh, some other stations that we can look about. Exactly. I don't know, maybe we should have a look at Schlesische Store as well. Yeah, we can, absolutely. I mean, you want to get off everywhere, of course, I understand. 
No, because it's really interesting. It's um, um, it's one of the oldest stations. Uh, start, they started building it in 1898 already, oh, yeah. and um, most of the of the the other stations um, they only be, the construction began only in 1900. So this this one is pretty old, and the reason for it is um, that um, they uh, they had to design it in a very special way. There is this very sharp curve, like most people don't realize it, but if you really look very. That's what hard, we're going to do right now. You will see it's such a such a sharp curve. And it's also a very busy kind of um, junction underneath. An island, this station, in the middle of a busy intersection. And we floating high above in a yellow train. Did you know that the people back in the day, like back in the 19th century, found the idea of an elevated train appalling? A pollution to the cityscape, thundering through the beautiful broad German streets. Maybe there's still people that feel that way, that it is a sore to the eye. I don't. I love the line and its yellow trains roaring high above. And this is my station, Gerlitzer Bahnhof. This is where I get off, going home. Start of our trip. This is. This is um, Gerlitzer Bahnhof, whose ori original name, by the way, was not Gerlitzer Bahnhof, but. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It was Oranienstraße. <laughs> it was called Oranienstraße, and that's why it's um, it's very confusing for a lot of people. There's this. It, this, this is, by the way, the only um, station on the Stammstrecke. The Eastern Stammstrecke is the the, the German name. So um, this station is the only one uh, which is basically in original shape. Really? It's, this is what Siemens & Halske's um, design office, design department produced. Um, Siemens & Halske, the electric dream team. Engineering Berlin's first elevated railway. Hmm, elevated, elevation. High above, why then the U? in U1. And um, U1 as a line, um, which was not called U1 yet. First it was called Linie B. B. Yeah, because I, wa I wanted to say uh, U1, which stands yeah. for Unterbahn, right? Yes. So Unterbahn, uh, wh while having a line going yeah. above the ground, it doesn't yeah. make sense at all. No, but I think this is a very, again, I suppose, uh, this, this kind of German um, thing. Um, let's not have too many letters. Like you have, you already have S41, you have like lots of other things. like. U is, is clear and it's part of one system because there is no, um, there is no, it's, those are not two separate systems, the elevated line and the underground line. So in order to remain consequent, and here we will start, stop for a second, in order to remain consequent they basically kept the, or added the, 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 the letter U, which was only added very late, I think in the 80s. Driving towards Cottbuser Tor, there is a mystery that needs unraveling. Why are the escalators leading to the other line, the U8, running in the wrong direction? And um, U8 was in West Berlin. It was a very important, a very busy line. And there were lots of people changing from U8 um, at Cottbuser Tor, getting onto the U1, going west. Cottbuser Tor is a crossover station with the majority of the U1 tracks lying to the west but hardly anyone was going east. 
because during the time of the wall there were only two stations there, Gurley and Schlesi. So the bigger volume of passengers would have gone uh, to the track on our right side, heading west. That's why they did it, because otherwise the people coming, the crowds coming from Oacht would have cut basically the way off to those people who wanted to go east. We get on the train. <laughs> As the day progresses, it slowly gets more crowded on the carriages. First, the two seats on either end of the benches are filled, and then someone in the middle, and lastly the two spaces in between them, that crushes everyone's comfort zone. I've always seen these carriages and public transport in general as these little micro-societies, like these slightly uneasy temporal bubbles, where you try not to hold someone's gaze too long, or try to stare outside, which becomes harder after you go underground. I'm always surprised by how well everyone is aware of this, this weird environment and how most people tend to act good in these situations, like standing up for people, helping out, pressing a button for someone and holding the door. Today. So, but and, and what what about the people traveling on the U1? Mm. Um, do you have an idea on who might be traveling on them? Um, hipsters. <laughs> Driving more and more towards the west, the landscape changes, the people change. Do you, do you notice a significant difference going from the most eastern part of the track and traveling on the western part? Is there a difference there? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> what, what is that? Those are two different worlds. <laughs> Now there, there is this thing. Uh, it's, uh, in a sense, nothing has everything has changed, and nothing has changed. Like um, we talked about the fact that um, when they started building the, the elevated uh, line in Kreuzberg, today's Kreuzberg, that it was a much poorer area. It was really sort of uh, didn't have this kind of influence in political or, or, or commercial terms. Um, while Charlottenburg, uh, for, for, for instance, and, Sch and Schöneberg both did. Uh, so the, the, um, this, this difference, it kind of remains until today. I want to say, I mean, yeah. it, I, if, if I think about this line just in my head, yeah. it goes from a, a much poor, it's not, it's not necessarily poor, but it no. goes from a poor neighborhood to, the, to that rich western yeah. area of Kurfürst and Dahlmann. It goes from, uh, goes from alternative, mm -hmm. um, slightly alternative to uh, conservative. <laughs> Mommy's home. <laughs> I love this station. I don't know people say, oh god, so ugly. No, it's not ugly. It's like um, Is it not? I mean come on. It's, it's not, not let's say it's not um, it's not pretty in the traditional sense. <laughs> this is of course Hallisch's Tor, the only station literally hanging over the canal. A masterpiece of engineering built on an impossible spot. No. So um, it always makes me sad when people say, oh, this is so horrible. Yep. No, but, but I, what I think also when people say that, they also take mm. with it its surroundings. Yeah. I mean, if you look nowadays yeah. at Hallisch's Tor, people, I don't have a particular fond memories or, or um, pictures in my head when I think about these buildings over yeah. here. <laughs> when I look at the other side of the canal, you have this big Poco house or whatever it is. You have the Gedenkstätte library mm. right over there, which is, I mean, 
mean, I mean, it's not the, mo the, the most pretty of buildings. Yeah. The only one that's really pretty yes, is, of course, this one yeah, over yeah. here where we can have a look at. Because this is what I always look at when I stop over here, when I cross over, I have to wait for the train. I hang over the railing over here and I look at this beautiful building. That's what I was very lucky because uh, I, I had my office in this building. Um, that's my window. <laughs> that's why I wrote my book. Thank you. And what, what is this building? Can you maybe... It's the old post office. It was the... Um, it, there, there used to be... Um, it was one of the main post office buildings in Berlin. And uh, it also had a um, Rohrpostanlage, which means the, uh, the pneumatic post, um, one of the main stations in the, in the cellar. It still actually accommodates uh, DHL, which today is like part of the, of the uh, mail um, services in, in, in Germany. And of course, which is also home to the Hollisches Haus, the cafe establishment home to Berlin's hip and trendy. Let's head to the next stop. Not pretty. Shall we head up again? No, oh. <coughs> oh, 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 Are we gonna make it? <laughs> oh, we are. We are gonna make it. I feel that we're making it. Yes. All right. <laughs> Gleis Dreieck, it means triangle of rails. And if that sounds like a bad idea, you're you're right. Let's talk a little bit about why the triangle is not such a good idea. And let's do that while we're walking yeah. in that direction. Uh, Siemens and Halske, um, they also developed or built, designed and built um, a special signal um, system, um, electric signal system, which was indeed very, very good. The problem was that the humans are always the weakest link, and that's exactly what happened here as well. One of the uh, one of the tra train drivers in September 1908 he oversaw two signals: the first, like warning, and the final warning, because Siemens and Halske's um, um, uh, this warning system was quite advanced. It's it's not that only you were warned only once; it actually twice. But he somehow managed to, to miss both. And um, there was a train, this was a train traveling from, um, from Zoologische Garden towards uh, Warschauer Straße, Warschaubrücke. And there was a train coming from Potsdamer Platz at the same time. And uh, they should not have entered um, the, the, the track um, simultaneously. And obviously, well, there was, there, a was crash. A, there was a crash and there were over 20 people dead. There were lots of people. Uh, injured and it was really a horrible thing it was uh, it was something that um, um, sh should not have happened like probably all of the uh, or, or any accidents leaving the station and running over the park on Gleistreieck we continue on a route that wasn't part of the original line so because we're going to do something very interesting right now yes and what we, we're actually going to go uh, with a beautiful view actually entering the soil of berlin exactly we will be going into uh, now we will continue down the newer part of the o1 we are leaving the uh, stammstrecke the original line and we are um, driving over Gleistreieck Park and we will enter a tunnel and uh, this tunnel was designed 
designed by Alfred Grenander and uh, it, uh, it was built or completed in 1926 and that's when this extension line, it was called Entlastungsstrecke, opened in 1926 and now we are going into the tunnel and we are going through another building. And the funny thing is, like, for years I didn't think about it, but if this train goes into a tunnel that's on the second floor of a building, where does it come out? It doesn't disappear underground, under the ground immediately. That's right. Because of the gradient, you can't just kind of, you know, no. take a dive. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Me neither. You have this feeling that you immediately are underneath the ground, but yes, you're not. you're not. You're inside a tunnel which you can actually see. And with this visual experience, we enter the western section of the subway line. Kurfürstenstrasse is our next stop, the street of the Prince Electors. And as we progress, we also come closer to a place called Breitscheidplatz, the square where on December 19th, 2016, a truck ran through a Christmas market killing 12 people and leaving 48 people injured. Now, Breitscheidplatz, with its iconic Wilhelm Remembrance Church, isn't an actual stop on the train, but we're pretty close. Yeah, um, that's one of the things that make me kind of worry about um, about traveling on the U-Bahn. Mm -hmm. So you do, to, you do think about it? Yes, I do. Time. So um, on the on the serious note, yes, I, I do very much. I, I kind of avoid, for example, uh, I really avoid traveling on the U-Bahn or, um, or even buses. But I think the underground and the um, uh, is, is particularly sensitive. So I avoid going there uh, in rush hours um, and n not only because I don't like crowds but also because of this I, I sort of uh, and I do something that is perhaps not uh, not welcome but by by uh, some people but I actually look at people I am in the carriage with and I, if I think that um, there's something I don't like about someone um, I, I will change carriages or I will wait for another train. It's a very, very, uh, I find it sad. I think fear is a, a very, very strong thing. I'm not allowing it to, to take over my life, but I kind of keep my eyes peeled, basically, and um, hope for the best. We can't do anything else now. It is something not often spoken about, but after attacks like these, you suddenly come to realize your own vulnerability being in public spaces, especially being underneath the ground, locked up in one of these yellow carriages. This heightened sense of awareness has become somewhat of a taboo topic, giving way for the chilled attitude most Berliners were internationally credited for. Arguably the most beautiful station on the line, lying deep in the heart of former West Berlin. The Kudam, the KDW, this is capitalism flourishing. Alright, here we go. Yeah. This, this always to me feels like almost a proper railway station. Yes. Right, I mean it's a tiny, tiny one, but it 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 goes away from just being a subway station, right? Yeah. This is this has this feel of buy your tickets here, hot dogs there, you yeah. know. It is here you wait for your loved ones and say them goodbye. Yeah. 
It's like it's it's a Grand Central station of of Berlin U-Bahn. Yeah, um, but then a miniature. It's Grand yeah. and it's Central. <laughs> so 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 tell me what we're what we're standing in here right oh, we're now. We're standing in this um, the building which was designed after the um, the old station was demolished. Oh, actually, there was not much to demolish, but um, this uh, this um, station um, opened I think 1913, as far as I remember, uh, October 1913, and it was designed by Alfred Grenander. Who else like if you look at all of those tiles um, that they used to cover the walls inside they kind of continue the the topic of the of the tile and the color coding the 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 color is uh, yellow which is the color of the of the underground of the uh, of the BVG and um, it's it's designed on a scale which is really um, you will find hardly find it anywhere in Berlin. I think the only station in my mind which which can compare is uh, Hermannplatz, the old Hermannplatz station on the um, on the U7 line. Um, building. And then of course here in the middle you have this uh, this beautiful sort of yeah. uh, cast iron pole where, where the clocks are on yeah. and the lights are on and then surrounding us are these beautiful wooden structures yeah. where there's little shops and, and, and still I mean that's something that's completely different from where we started at mm -hmm. Schlesische store for example where you do have these beautiful wooden doors mm -hmm. but you have these ugly shops and here they use the old wooden shops mm -hmm. for uh, for well now new day yeah. shops yeah. but that's because of the KDV let's not forget mm -hmm. the reason why the station is so representative is basically KDV mm -hmm. it's because of the Tauensingstrasse it's because of the Kudam but it's first was first and foremost because of KDV because that's KDV was built in 1907 or, or opened in 1907 and it was from the very beginning a very very elegant department store and there were lots of people with a lot of money like really well-heeled citizens as you say um, who would arrive to KDV uh, just like today they, they, they didn't come or not all of them came shopping they also came to hang around basically to go to the roof terrace to, to go to the restaurant and um, so, so this station was basically designed for people again for people with money the Kaufhaus des Westens, the department store of the West, represents for many still the decadence of this area. The Townsienstrasse and especially the Kudam. I never go to these parts of time. I wouldn't know a single bar to have a beer and I don't know anyone who lives here either. But it's not really because of the distance of my house. I mean, it feels far away, though it is actually only a 15-minute train ride from my house at Görlitzer Bahnhof. These two worlds, however, couldn't have felt more apart, and that's what makes this line so fascinating. Being only 8.7 kilometers long, it really bridges two different worlds. Do you? Shall we go outside? Yes. I mean, there there is also gloves. My brand new gloves. Because well, here we have KDV, and but it's also snowing still. Yes. <laughs> it is still cold. It's now 10:30 kind of like or something. It's kind of uh, winter. Wonderland mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, no, it's absolutely I mean, true. Squint your eyes, and if you don't look up at all of those buildings along Tauenstienstrasse and those uh, high-rise hotels behind it, you don't like them. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know where Beata's heart lies too. Um, I'm, I'm actually not a big fan of high-rises, of, mm -hmm. of um, especially such skyscraper things. So uh, that's now I'm looking at the station again, Wittenbergplatz. That's my kind of architecture. <laughs>
I want to. I wanted to make before I forget. I wanted to yeah. make a picture of the both of us in front of the. Okay. In front of the. A selfie. Yeah, yeah, a <laughs> selfie for sure. And you can find that selfie on Facebook and Instagram. Now I um yeah sort of wanted to also end it here at mm. uh, at um, the, uh, the beautiful Wittenbergplatz yeah. station. Uh, thank you so much for riding with me and also telling thank me all you. those things. I mean, there's so me. many things that I learned today. Um, but you also, of course, publish by yourself. You know, yeah. you 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 are like ludicrously uh, often on Twitter and on Facebook you get posts often ludicrous is, is the right word right? there's some, <laughs> some craziness to, in there <laughs> Beate has a blog and recently published a book called Not Miss Parker's Berlin Companion that is Not Miss Parker's Berlin Companion more info in the show notes original music by Denis Wouters and Mark Schilders photography by Manus Brown and of course like always produced from the 4000 Hertz headquarters in Berlin, Germany I hope you enjoyed the ride. Next episode, Otter is back talking smack on the Prussians. Walrus is out. A 4000 Hertz production.